<laughs> that would be an interesting background noise. Yeah. The beauty of working from home. Yeah. Let's discuss that. And how will Fagi <laughs> help that? Yeah. <laughs> we need some advanced level of noise cancellation. Uh, exactly. Sorry about that. No issues. Uh, okay. Hi everyone and welcome to the Voice of 5G podcast. In uh, this podcast you will hear me, Janina Hedberg. Uh, I work with social media at Ericsson and also Paul Cowling who is uh, working with Analyst Relations. And we talk about our favorite topic, 5G, here with some friends and colleagues and sometimes the odd guest from outside Ericsson as well. But just so you know, this is an Ericsson podcast and we tend to have some fun in this podcast. That's why I added uh, the outtake <laughs> right at the beginning uh, of this. You could hear my dogs and uh, the problems of uh, recording when you are recording a podcast from home. Uh, as you can hear at the moment as well, I have birds. There are birds here. Paul! So, Janina, it's uh, time for the uh, mobility report again. Yes, it is. One of my favorite topics. Last time we did uh, a live podcast. Uh, that was in November, remember? Um, uh, it doesn't seem like six months since the last one came around. And it, perhaps it wasn't six months since the last one came around. But uh, today we're going to get to see uh, a little bit more about uh, uh, how many 5G subscriptions are out there. Is that right? Subscriptions, data usage, it's uh, voice over LTE, it's IoT, it's all the stats that are in the report. And we do have Patrick Sierval and Jasmeet City Singh uh, to talk to us about it. And uh, they are, of course, joining via link as these are the times of the pandemic. A lot in the world, of course, about COVID-19 and uh, how that's affecting society, big impacts on economies and that kind of thing. But uh, we've also been looking at um, how COVID is impacting mobile networks. And that's also part of what we're going to be talking about today. For sure. But first, some news, perhaps. As as usual, there's uh, lots happening in the 5G world. Uh, mm -hmm. Where are we going to start? Maybe we could uh, look at some of the things that are happening in, um, in, for instance, Canada. Yeah. Um, I saw that uh, Rogers Communication have now gone live with their 5G 5G network in Canada. Mm -hmm. um, that's uh, you know extending up from uh, the US, which which of course have had a lot of uh, uh, have had live 5G networks for a while. Yeah. So that's that's Canada. Uh, then, if we look on a like on on a much broader scope, we can see that uh, um, there's a lot happening when it comes to um, the five G uh, frequency bands. Uh -huh. uh, the GSA reported recently around the millimeter wave, so that's like the the, the multi gigahertz 
uh, what we call high band high band spectrum. Um, that's 97 operators now have acquired licenses for for millimeter Ooh. wave. Um, that's in 17 different countries. So uh, you know we can see that there's a lot of momentum there. Uh, license licensing is of course is a key enabler to actually being able to launch a service. Um, so lots happening there. Yeah, and I do apologize with my. I have my birds squeaking here in the background. I hope it's not too disturbing. I will close the door very shortly. And uh, an, another small snippet that I think uh, is certainly is interesting for me because I, I work a lot with, with uh, the guys that are involved with this um, is uh, what's happening with 5G standalone. Yeah. Uh, one of the things with 5G standalone is is that uh, you know it's, it's a very interesting technology for, for industries. Um, and uh, you know, if you compare 4G and 5G, the difference between uh, between the two technologies is we expect 5G to have a lot more penetration and impact uh, for use by enterprises and industries. Uh, and uh, we've uh, we've actually just come out with dedicated network trial kits. So if you're if you're working in in industries and you're interested in cellular technologies and 5G in particular. Uh, and how that uh, I know how that can be used in in your business. Uh, we can actually uh, help industries or and, and enterprises to to actually look at that. Mm. Uh, and I think that builds on our uh, industry connect uh, portfolio, where we've uh, we've been doing kind of off the shelf systems which you can deploy for enterprises um, using four G and and uh, and five G uh, with things like our radio dot system. Yeah, lots of interesting stuff yeah, happening. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I think that's an area we we see, you know, increasing in interest in is in uh, is in how you can use cellular technology uh, within industry in within industries. Mm-hmm. It's a you know really cool area. Yeah, it is. So, but let's uh, jump over to this interview that uh, we've done with uh, Patrick and Jess Smith. And uh, before we started recording, uh, there was a little bit of an. <laughs> of a confusion there where my dogs started barking and talking about working from home. These are the things that happen. <laughs> okay, over to Patrick and Jasmeet and the interview about Ericsson Mobility Report and the Consumer Lab study about COVID-19 impact. We have returning guests uh, at our podcast again this week. Welcome, Patrik Sjervall, uh, Head of Strategic Marketing at Ericsson and also the Executive Editor of Ericsson Mobility Report. Welcome here for the f- third time. Wow, thank you, Janina. <laughs> it's probably a, it's a record for me every time I come back and, and, and uh, I'm really happy to be here. Thank you. Good. So we we're expecting some good news from the mobility report, but also we have uh, here on the line uh, Jasmeet Singh. You're here for the second time. You're head of Ericsson's consumer lab. So hi, Jasmeet. By the way. Hey, hi, Janina, and thanks for having me here. Thanks for being here. It's always a pleasure to have you too. Uh, and. Now that we are combining these two topics, uh, it's going to be a joy. So 
We have you two here because we're talking about the Ericsson Mobility Report and when you open it up and when you read the press release for uh, that went out together with the report. The heading says, COVID-19 impact shows networks crucial role in society. And here we have Patrick, who's uh, the mobility report expert, and uh, Jasmeet, who has the consumer angles uh, on this uh, uh, joint topic about uh, focusing on the pandemic. And it's quite a big part of the mobility report this time. Uh, Patrick, yes, uh, you want to start? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I can't wait. Uh, yeah. But um, this is probably the, the, in one way, the most strange and peculiar report that I've done. I'm really happy that we managed to pull it off. Uh, when we were sitting in February trying to do the plan for this um, June edition of the mobility report, we had a completely different uh, layout and different uh, set of articles planned or different approach to it. And then the pandemic happened and the lockdowns happened. Um, and uh, we realized that this is going to be big. Uh, we need to to follow this and understand also what's happening in, in both networks and, and around consumers. So uh, we put our brains together, uh, me and just me, thinking about, you know, how can we, you know, do this together and, and, and uh, understand uh, both from a network and from a consumer perspective what's actually happening. And then we put a lot of focus also on trying to understand. So, you know, Going forward, what what's going to be the effect of this? Uh, how will this impact our forecast for mm. for 2020, 2025, and so on? So that's been been a, um, a real journey and really really interesting to see. Yeah, I can see I can see that. So your planning was completely changed. Yes, um, and and I'm happy that the team pulled it off because we we um, had very little time. And just meet you can say a few more words on, on the record time you did this consumer survey on. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think as as Patrick mentioned, I mean, uh, it, it was also an unusual time to uh, conduct some sort of uh, market research uh, amidst the pandemic when when there are lockdowns in, in place and consumers are kind of struggling to take care of, uh, you know, their work life situation, their kids, you know, the seniors in, in the society. So it's an unusual time. But but we we felt that this was also an opportune time for us to go out and and get insights and and deep into understanding how ICT is is really enabling uh, consumers to kind of navigate uh, through this crisis. Uh, so typically, if you look at you know the way we do research, we have uh, you know regional teams involved. We have a lot of regional colleagues involved as well, and it's 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 a time consuming and a lengthy process, but. This time around, I think with with the phenomenal work the team has done, you know, in a record time of just a month uh, or even less, just I would say roughly about three weeks or so from the start to end, we were able to get some, uh, you know, great insights around how are consumers viewing this crisis and how are networks essentially playing a very, very crucial role in helping them uh, navigate through this crisis. Yeah, and just to make things clear, so the Ericsson Mobility Report was uh, launched on, on June 16th with a big section on uh, the impact of uh, the pandemic. Uh, but you also, uh, from the Consumer Lab, have a report uh, on the same topic, but from the consumer angle. And that is uh, released this week, right? 
Yes, uh, so we, we uh, of course, had an article uh, included in the Ericsson Mobility Report about how consumers are navigating through this crisis. But as you say, Janina, we have launched the complete report that is now available on Ericsson.com. And we'll uh, make sure that the both of these reports are uh, linked in our show notes as well. Uh, so... I saw you getting questions about this already in um, in uh, what was it end April beginning of May uh, you, and you joined a, a live broadcast we had there ha, have you had any questions from from service providers out there about uh, the the impact or what consumer wants in this area has it been like a push and pull or or was it uh, you who realized that we need the statistics how did you start the work so, so I feel uh, it's been both a push and a pull, uh, I would say, uh, largely because we do, as, as Ericsson, we did want to have uh, a voice uh, around how we see uh, the networks are playing a crucial role in, in helping consumers navigate the crisis. But then we also had a lot of service providers uh, asking us about uh, what would be those long-term impacts uh, that they would see in both in consumer spending, the consumer sentiment, uh, and also, how should they respond? The the operators kind of responding in in a very agile way when it comes to uh, shifting capacities or um, you know adding capacity where it was needed. Also, helping consumers with uh, ensuring that they are connected by maybe waving off the data caps on on fixed broadband, but also offering generous uh, sort of data limits on on the mobile broadband side. Uh, offering uh, free voice calls and minutes to frontline workers as well. Uh, and this, these are all the things that that we we heard consumers kind of talking about in terms of what they expect from their operators, not just the network mm-hmm. resilience, but also uh, supporting uh, communities and helping them deal with their day-to-day uh, sort of challenges, whether it's uh, helping kids with uh, educational tools or uh, ensuring that there are some work collaboration sort of packages so a lot has been done uh, by the operators, uh, and now with this research, we are also helping them understand how they need to uh, press on by becoming a much more integral part of their daily lives in helping consumers kind of get through uh, this crisis as well. Yes, uh, I can see that, and and I should mention as well that uh, we, uh, Patrick and I, we live in sort of the same area of of uh, the suburbs of Stockholm, and uh, we have some problems with the Wi-Fi today, Patrick, which is <laughs> why you are in the office. <laughs> exactly. The, I, I got some a little bit of panic uh, 45 minutes ago when I realized that I was about to be on this podcast, but my broadband stopped working at home um, and I couldn't get it fixed and it wasn't reliable. Um, so uh, that was, you know, it, it was very evident that having a, a resilient and, and a good broadband connection that, that uh, you can really really trust is absolutely you know vital for um, working from home and being part of 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 doing a lot of of different activities online so it was clear that um, i i i value it a lot yeah and uh, i mean that was that a shock to service providers that they they all of a sudden need to sort of change where the peak traffic comes from when you see from the network side, yeah. have they managed to cope with it? 
Yes, I, I think they did, but it's very, you know, the picture is very different depending on which market you look at, and it mm-hmm. very much depends on on uh, how much, um, you know, how good uh, or or how penetrated the, the market is with the fixed networks, um, because if you have a lot of fixed networks, fiber in many cities, maybe in Europe and and elsewhere, um, then a lot of the traffic that we saw the increase in terms of peaks and so on happened on the the fixed networks um but also we saw you know in in other areas maybe um more in suburbs and other areas you saw that that the mobility uh required that even the the mobile networks had to take some part of that increase but if you go to other markets like india or or other parts of the world where where the fixed networks are not as as built out then everyone relied on the the mobile networks and then the, that those absorbed most of the traffic um so you know when we looked at this we realized that there's a lot of different things happening at the same time here both how behavior changed but also how how um um, both service pri- providers uh, acted, uh, allowing more gigabytes uh, for for certain um, consumer groups in order to actually ease the, the lockdowns. That increased traffic. Um, that we also saw so um, uh, over the top players uh, actually reducing quality in order to ease the fixed networks um, on their video streams. So a lot of things happened at the same time, and we got a lot of reports. But Overall, and then you know, Jasmine can talk more about this. I think that the networks have coped, and we have seen consumers actually confirming that. Yeah, I mean, uh, as, as yep. Patrick mentioned, uh, you know, from the research that we did, it it was very clear uh, the the response and the agility shown by the operators is also resulting in a positive perception mm-hmm. uh, of how both the fixed broadband as well as the mobile broadband network is being perceived. So if you look at just the statistics, I mean, about 60% of consumers globally in the 11 markets uh, that we went out said that they were extremely satisfied with the fixed broadband performance. Uh, and that we should give credit to that because, you know, all pretty much about, uh, you know, all of the traffic was really absorbed uh, by fixed broadband. But then you also have markets like India and China where the reliance on a good 4G connection is is very, very paramount. Uh, in the pandemic itself, we saw that in, in India, for example, we had about half of the population really relying uh, on uh, 4G connections in order to get through this crisis. Uh, and, and most of them believe that they have actually increased their monthly mobile data usage by at least 50%, anywhere between 50 to 100% uh, or so. And even in that market, uh, we see that about 66% of consumers have said that the mobile broadband networks have performed either better or same in comparison to the to the pre-crisis uh, mm. sort of period. So it's it's I, I I think it talks a lot about the quick response. Uh, you know how the operators really moved uh, capacity from from urban downtown locations to residential locations, uh, ensured that there was sufficient capacity which was which was kind of built out. And then really keeping an eye on on important sort of KPIs as well. And and when we talk about KPIs, I think what is also interesting was the fact that we often talk about video streaming, uh, but this time around, what we saw was that the importance of video calling uh, again became much more important for keeping consumers connected, especially right. uh, the senior and the and the vulnerable groups uh, indicated that. Reliable video calling was one thing that they really valued uh, in order for them to mm. be connected with with family and friends, and which we have not seen before. I mean, I think we have shied away from from seeing 
such sort of uh, usage patterns in the senior segment. Uh, but what the pandemic has shown is that to one extent, there is some sort of digital divide that kind of exists between urban centers and, and rural pockets where we might not have uh, reliable broadband, which of course needs to be fixed. But then on the other side as well, we, we see that the digital literacy gap has been reduced. Uh, since now you see 60 plus segments starting to kind of use uh, some of these uh, new applications and services like video calling, social media, instant messaging and so forth uh, because of the need of uh, not being uh, socially isolated uh, yeah. from society. Yeah, and I can see that myself, actually. I've been starting to use uh, videos a lot more now than I've ever done before. Uh, and uh, because it's very, very boring to sit in uh, meetings uh, at work, uh, just six hours staring at the at the still picture. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I think that that segment is a new one as well. You you need some sort of socialization when you're when you're interacting with people. You need to see them. Yeah, exactly. And and I think it it was interesting to see that this pandemic has given rise to a lot of new applications as well. I can give you an example of mm. uh, this application called House Party. Uh, and and mm. this is an application which uh, came in largely on the context of uh, group video chat. Uh, and what, what happened with this House Party sort of application is as the pandemic kind of set in, they saw phenomenal signups, about 50 million, 60 million users uh, signing up. Uh, and at one given point of time, this was perhaps one of the top social application uh, in the in the app stores uh, globally uh, so far, because, you know, we saw that while we are using Zoom, Teams and Skype for corporate settings, uh, a lot of consumers gravitated towards using House Party to connect with friends and family uh -huh. Ooh, yeah. uh, sort of environment. And, and we mm -hmm. see that some of this will will continue to uh, manifest in the long run as well, because uh, we will continue to kind of follow uh, sort of social distancing measures, even if the restrictions are now being lift, uh, lifted from a lot of different markets. But I think consumers are conscious about the fact that they need to safeguard, uh, you know, the seniors and the elderly uh, and the more vulnerable uh, sort of groups. And that would mean that we will see sustained usage of video uh, calling on the network even post pandemic as well. Yeah, yeah, and uh, the pandemic isn't really over, even though the restrictions uh, are somewhat lighter in in a lot of countries now, uh, for sure. Uh, but when when it comes to the connections, now that uh, if the broadband goes down, uh, at least I, I the first thing I do is start the the this my my um, my mobile broadband uh, as sort of like a backup. Uh, and of course, a lot of people out there have something that's called fixed wireless access. And you have a, uh, an article about that as well, uh, Patrick. Uh, very timely. Very timely. <laughs> and this is, um, this is one of the things we actually decided before we knew about the, the effect of the pandemic. Um, but we wanted really to, to make a, a judgment and, and trying to understand um, the fixed price access market. Basically, you know, how many connections are there today uh, which are using then 4G uh, mostly or, or potentially 5G as a, a broadband at home? 
solution with you know customer premise equipment or, or mounted either you know indoor or, or with outdoor antennas you know how many are those connections and how many will there be in the future and how much traffic will actually be in the networks and then looking at this when we started to to um, do this analysis um you know went around to a number of markets we we um, uh, studied the the, the data that we received from the networks and understand that this is actually going to drive a lot of traffic and the pandemic has only uh, fueled that. So right now we see some 50 million uh, fixed wireless access connections. That's going to rise to 160 million uh, connections. Um, we talk about it as connection because it's basically a household and then you can add three to four people if you want to see a number of individuals. But still, you know, it's a fraction of, of smartphone users. Still, when we then look at how much traffic this um, uh, fixed price access um, uh, will actually drive in the networks, uh, by the end of the period, it's actually going to be 25% of all the traffic in mobile networks globally will come from fixed wireless access. Um, and that's huge, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And that's basically, you know, talks about the, the different scale on, on the ability or, or the, the usage of such a system. You know, you basically are using it as any fixed broadband, which means that the, the monthly gigabytes are probably in the hundreds rather than in the tenth um, that maybe a smartphone user is. So you get 10 or even more times um, the traffic on the fixed wise access connection. Um, so, mm -hmm. and we see, you know, especially in, in markets where you don't have um, a very good fiber network, um, this is, going to be a really, really good solution. Uh, but it's also will complement even in fiber markets, you know, areas where it actually makes sense to have a, uh, a more wireless connection. I'll stop there. I can talk forever. I'm just <laughs> <imagine> <laughs> it's a, it's a, I mean, it's, that is a timeless thing to think about now that like broadband con connections are, are uh, vital to keep businesses uh, rolling and your in your home your home connection becomes very important even for the companies mm. uh, that you work for uh, and uh, i mean the, then if you can't get the, the the broadband or i mean some people also move out into their cottages and and or perhaps uh, uh, go to stay with the, with their relatives somewhere I mean that mm. then I can see that that is that is something that might uh, change uh, change the need for yeah and and with the need for for um, having that kind of capacity uh, mm. it becomes evident that 5G is is going to be the the bearer of ah. a lot of this growth yes now you're starting to to go into our favorite topic in this podcast exactly. <laughs> so uh, my question to you is if this was say I don't know, uh, one, two years from now when uh, 5G was completely rolled out. What would the differences be then if we had this pandemic? Uh, it's a very good <laughs> Sneaky question. Sneaky uh, question, right? Exactly. Uh, uh, I have a lot of things to say. Do you want to start, Jasmeet? Or... Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, it is very evident, uh, you know, from the research that we see even now when speaking with consumers that uh, consumers see that, you know, 5G could have played a very important role in this crisis. Uh, and it's just not just providing higher speed or, or capacity, but also in other areas where 5G could have uh, possibly helped. So 
the hope now is that you know 5G not just brings in a new experience on on the network side, but also a lot of new use cases and experiences uh, for consumers, whether it's uh, immersive education or it's gaming uh, or or entertainment and and so forth. And and those are the areas that consumers also highlight where 5G could have helped. You know, offering maybe immersive uh, education uh, using miniaturized uh, sort of glasses, so not the headsets that you possibly see today, because with the power of 5G and edge cloud, uh, you know, we would be able to move the rendering to the cloud and thus miniaturize and, and move, uh, you know, a half a pound sort of uh, headset, uh, a VR headset that you have today to maybe glasses that just weigh about 100 grams. Uh, and these these glasses can then be connected to your 5G smartphone as such. And, and that could provide a whole new way in terms of how students would have uh, you know, continued their education, you know, providing them access to uh, uh, virtual labs where they could carry on with, with this education. Uh, then there was this whole thing about, uh, you know, social isolation and, and entertainment uh, as well. And that's also an area where uh, I see in future uh, 5G could have helped or perhaps will, will already help, uh, you know, both in terms of providing more entertainment options, uh, like esports, like uh, a great experience, low latency experience on gaming, because gaming was one category that we saw kind of spiked uh, in a lot of different markets uh, during the pandemic. Uh, as consumers find found more time, uh, we need to understand that that gaming is not just a pastime, but it's also a way how young people socialize uh, today. So when you look at uh, applications like Twitch, uh, you know, Discord and, and so forth. Uh, the, the, this is where young people actually congregate and, and socialize. And that's why we saw this huge peak in, in gaming uh, related traffic. And that's where 5G is, is also going to help. Now, 5G, you know, apart from just the consumer sector, where it could also help is in the medical and the healthcare sort of sector, because we saw that a lot of consumers expressed that uh, maybe uh, with 5G, we would have the ability to control medical equipment remotely, or even with 5G-enabled robots or exoskeletons, we sh we would have been able to safeguard our frontline workers. And we already see that uh, happening now uh, with the rise of robotics and automation. We ha now have uh, you know a trial which was done by SK Telecom in Korea, where you have a robot in a facility which is going around with AI and and with uh, you know, visual inspection, it's able to sanitize different areas. It's also able to sensitize people uh, about maintaining social distancing. It can do thermal imaging as well in order to measure temperatures of visitors who are walking into the facilities, thus safeguarding the front line and the front staff uh, in that in that building as such. Mm. So these are all possibilities uh, that that could have been there, you know, if 5G would have been rolled out much faster, and that's exactly what the consumers are are wishing for. You know, roughly four in ten consumers globally in our survey are saying they just wish 5G was rolled out faster, not just from an individual perspective, but also from a societal perspective. There could have been more impact uh, that ICT could have uh, passed on as benefits to the consumers. Yes, sounds very futuristic. Uh, Patrick, networks. Yeah. Yes, adding to this. Um, I think it's very clear that 5G is not just about the, 
the technology and the network. You know, your your question when you started was, you know, what happens if we were looking three years ahead or, or fast forwarding three years ahead? What could 5G bring? Um, and it actually would be three years of more innovation. And I think even fueled more now with the pandemic that we actually have lived through, that that will initiate a lot of new innovative ideas uh, to build on. And most of these will need the capability of of both the capacity of the network, the, the speeds of the network, and also the latency, and all of these things that 5G actually will bring. So 5G will be a, an ability to actually build all these um, new um, innovations and new use cases that Jasmine talked about. And so in that respect, 5G would uh, enable a lot of those uh, different activities to happen. Um, and I think that's one thing to realize that uh, sometimes you need to build it first and then, you know, put um, and see what, what the effects will be in terms of what, what that brings. Um, and I, I think, you know, now as many economies are, are opening up and try to restart eventually after after being, you know, in lockdown for a number of, of months, I think that having, if operators can do one thing, if they can, you know, continue with their development and rollout of 5G and be ready for this new um, wave of innovative ideas, uh, investments into new um, use cases, um, then they can play a really, really important role here. When it comes to uh, the the traffic load in the network uh, now that it's shifting from uh, perhaps downtown to, I don't know, the suburbs or people's homes or somewhere else. Do you see that 5G could have made an impact there to sort of like, okay, we need to change or have more network capacity in this area instead? Could 5G be a help there? So I think where 5G plays in, well, there's a, there's a couple of ways. The one is the where Patrick has talked about already. If, uh, if you're deploying 5G as a fixed wireless access, Technology, then that provides a lot of a lot of capacity into suburban areas mm-hmm. that people can use, you know, in, in their home network. Yeah, we um, didn't actually mention five G, and when we talked about uh, that that much when we talked about fixed wireless access, because it's also available today. But yeah, I guess five uh, G would well, boost that a lot. Uh, it, it's available today on four G, but uh, but but certainly if you're rolling out it, fixed wireless access with 5G that, that mm. uh, gives you suburban capacity. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think in the, uh, I mean, in the rural areas, they, you know, you get, if you're using 5G instead of 4G, you get some, uh, or even, even in other areas, really, you, you get some benefits in terms of improvements in edge speed, and that's important. Um, it's important both in terms of network capacity, because if, if uh, the people on the edge get a better service, the total cell throughput can go up. Uh, but also in terms of uh, you know, people's experience of, of sitting at home and, and uh, using the network, yeah, a lot of the experience is based on, on how poor the poor network is, not how good the good network is. Mm. Uh, yeah. If you have a service that needs a few megabits per second, having hundreds of megabits per second doesn't make that service significantly better. But if it drops below the, the amount that you need, then then you're in, uh, you know, your service quality is not that good. So, so I think, uh, you know, 5G can play in, in a number of ways in terms of overall improvement in the uh, consumer experience. Yeah. Would it also have an impact on the like uh, the ability to be able to to sort of shut sites down when when the pressure isn't that high on the inner city when people that when there are less people there? Well, I think there's an interesting 
environmental impact there, which is that mm. 5G is is more efficient than 4G when it comes to how it uses energy in in uh, low load situations. So so yeah, if you're moving traffic from one part of the network to another, um, overall the network will consume less energy because you it, it can be more efficient in the in the areas where you're not sending traffic. Mm. Well, just wanted to get some sort of uh, like 5G uh, technology angle into into this uh, fascinating discussion yeah. as well. But, but and, I've actually yeah. got a question for Patrick. Yeah. Uh, yes. We, we talked about the the traffic forecasts for for what's happening with 5G uh, in the in the mobility report. What what's the picture when it comes to 4G and and the traffic for 4G? Yeah, that's interesting. You know, sometimes we forget that and have only focus on 5G. Um, but as as we saw from the from the pandemic, the the um, increase in in mobile networks uh, was varied a little bit. In some markets, it increased with 20%. In some markets, it it uh, decreased with 10%, depending on what type of of fixed network there was. So it was a moderate increase, and that increase uh, was basically on 4G network. So looking forward for this year, we would. We have increased our 4G traffic um, forecast uh, with, you know, some 10%, uh, but not much. But overall, over time, we don't see it as a big impact on the 4G traffic. And then the more time goes and, and more people get 5G, the traffic will be shifted towards 5G. And 5G at the end of, of you know, 2025 will stand for almost 50% um, of all the traffic in, in the world. So uh, 4G is still, you know, the dominant technology in terms of number of subscriptions, um, and and but it will be basically half of the traffic will be on 4G and half on 5G in, in 2025. So, so it's actually not until 2025 that 5G takes over from 4G as, as being the, carrying the majority of the traffic? No, exactly. It will be after or around 2025. You have a lot more statistics, of course, in the mobility report you, as well. You want more numbers? Or... <laughs> no. Uh, no, I mean, ev- everyone should read it uh, to to be up to date with the numbers. But I think one thing that we could possibly uh, mention is uh, that uh, you expect it to be uh, 190 million uh, 5G subscriptions at the end of this year, right? Yes, and that's an interesting number because we um, half a year ago we basically said uh, around 100 million end of 2020, and now we're saying 190 million. So it's wow, a huge so it's, increase. It's almost doubled. It's almost doubled, and the big question becomes: How how can it during um, the pandemic? How can we have increased our forecast for this year so much? What actually happened? And um, um, it is a little bit counterintuitive, um, but it is very much due to what's happening in, in Northeast Asia and particularly China that has continued to build out their 5G network um, very, very fast. And all the operators there are reporting a lot of uptake in terms of number of subscriptions they have on their 5G network. And that is basically driving it. So regardless of the of the the pandemic they have continued to to both roll out and also pick up a number of new new uh, subscriptions i think this also comes back to the need from people to have a better um, connection and better broadband and they you know china is one of those markets that may not have as built out a fixed network and therefore there is a need to actually get the better and better speeds on their using their smartphones so and and it also comes down to the device uh, prices and, and and local devices that they have there that actually drives up uptake. 
rest of the world, we see more maybe logically a, a decrease in our forecast for what we said half a year ago. Um, so we are taking it down both in Western Europe, uh, North America and so on. Um, due to the fact that mm, you see less number of, of um, users actually um, during that pandemic go out and shop for 5G devices and, and less shipments of, of devices also from the uh, device manufacturers. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see some, some delays also in uh, auctions of spectrum uh, for 5G in Europe that also have caused a little bit of delay. All of these things will, given the fact that we hope that the pandemic will be over in, in, in some time, then that they will all come back to the growth trajectory that we said before. So it's more of a, a hiccup during this year. Yeah. And uh, more about the forecasts and the updated numbers in Ericsson Mobility Report. Right. Yes. <laughs> please read it. Yes, please read it. Anything else that we should talk about? I I, I can add here. I mean, mm. uh, there is uh, there is a lot of discussion about uh, conspiracy theories and fake rumors uh, around 5G, linking 5G with with COVID-19. Um, and and I think we we often get asked this question whether we see that is going to have any impact uh, on the take up of 5G. So. With, with the research that we have done, uh, it is evident that uh, about six in ten consumers globally are are saying that 5G would have had a positive role to play uh, for the society, and and that tells us in a way that uh, the fake rumors and uh, you know all these sort of unfounded uh, theories of linking 5G with COVID-19 are are not having that sort of a big impact uh, on consumer sentiment. Uh, as such, of course, there are going to be some fringe groups which are very vocal in in social media and so forth. But overall, the fact that consumers are talking positively about the role that 5G could have played in this crisis tells us that uh, it is not dampening uh, the demand uh, for 5G. But having said that, I, I think we we need to be mindful of the fact that uh, we are getting into a bit of a recession. And, and the recession of, of such magnitude, I mean, if you just look at uh, the numbers that are flo- being floated out there, the, 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 the GDP uh, of globally GDP for developed economies is going to contract by about 7% or so, whereas in emerging markets, this would be roughly about 2.5% or so. So there will be an impact on consumer spending, and, and that might actually... Uh, impact the way the consumers also see 5G uh, and especially investing in in 5G sort of handsets because these are kind of priced in in a premium fashion. So uh, there could be a delay in certain markets uh, that could be as much as six months or so uh, where the consumer sentiment starts to stabilize uh, and, and consumers get the confidence in order to invest in, in uh, 5G handsets, but also that the retail stores start opening up because a lot of these sales are right now happening on the on the digital channels, uh, and that should kind of keep the the numbers uh, ticking on uh, on the 5G subscription forecast, as as Patrick kind of pointed out. Uh, in China, we don't see any letdown uh, of of the demand there. The numbers still keep to be trickling in, but of course, in European markets and in US, where we see uh, roughly about 25 to 30 million people have now filed for unemployment, uh, you know, sort of claims. 
uh, this will have some sort of an impact on uh, the eventual take up and, and that might uh, go into uh, 2021. Yes, very important um, conclusions there, yes, for sure. And uh, such a very important and uh, timely topic. Uh, thank you, Jasmeet and, uh, and Patrick, uh, Jasmeet Singh Sethi and Patrick Serval for uh, being on this podcast, talking about um, Ericsson Mobility Report. Uh, the new statistics and forecasts, they are out and uh, also the new report from Ericsson Consumer Lab, Keeping Consumers Connected, yes. it's called. Uh, understanding consumer ICT behaviors and attitudes due to the COVID-19 crisis is the subtitle, right? That's and we will link them in the show notes. And thank you everyone for listening. Thank you for joining. Have a great day and bye. Thank you guys. <laughs>